Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Upside Swings Draft Podcast, the podcast with the highest ceiling. I'm your host, Bryce Hendricks, joined as always by the great Stone Hansen, uh, newly minted thousand follower Stone Hansen. Uh, won't stop saying that before his intro. And uh, we are here to talk about uh, Draft Twitter, the team, uh, the Memphis Grizzlies, with the greatest name on all of Draft Twitter, and that's Buttermilk Jesus, aka Lido. Uh, I don't know how he got such a cool name, but uh, Buttermilk Jesus is as good as it gets. It's uh, up there with Sham, with God, Sham God. So, uh, without any further ado, Lido, how you doing, my guy? Doing good. After that intro, how can I not be? So. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <But> yeah. <laughs> uh, the and and you're here to talk about. I mean. The, maybe the most fun draft team to talk about so we're, we're excited to have you on is this is this your first or second pod i thought i saw you had done another one i just did my debut like yesterday like it came out yesterday so this is the second one um first one with an actual like back-to-back conversation so i'm excited yeah yeah this is this is exciting uh we've we've talked before like on locker room but it it's nice to talk face to face it it sort of changes the dynamic um and of course, as always, the great Stone Hansen. Stone, my guy, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm doing a lot of just a lot of basketball because it's draft season. So the last two weeks is just an insane amount of cramming film and different projects and blah, blah, blah. So, yeah, I'm doing great, though. I'm really excited to talk about the Grizzlies. Yeah, this has been, I mean, maybe the busiest I've been in my entire life. Uh, with- <laughs> with work work is really busy right now because i do i work in in mosquito control and uh it's like 100 degrees out here so mosquitoes love that so that's a lot of work and then you know this uh and writing and stuff but man it is very gratifying before we got on here stone was like oh i can't decide if i'm gonna watch the finals if i'm gonna watch the uibl tape and you know there's no better problem in this world to have (laughs) so uh, with that being said uh the grizzlies had a really solid season ended up uh, of course getting into the play-in beating the Warriors to be the eight seed um, took one game from the Jazz in that first round and just all around have a really interesting young team John Morant is is uh, on the track to be a superstar if he can stay healthy uh, interesting guys like Jaron Jackson Jr. Brandon Clark Desmond Bain the steal of last year's draft um, a ton of other guys that we're going to get into because What's so fun about the Grizzlies is that they're already good, but they're still super young. So there's a lot, there's a lot to kind of hit on with them. Um, and there's also this draft, and they've been excellent at drafting. Uh, and there's no one better to break it down than Buttermilk. Lito, do you want to give us like a little, like just a taste of sort of what they're missing on this roster, whether it be to compete in the short term or what they might be missing uh, holes they need to fill for the long term, and and some names you kind of like for them around 17 in this draft. Um, yeah, I've been thinking about the draft for a while as far as the Grizzlies go, because they are in an interesting timeline. They're two years into their rebuild, right? Um, and we're already in eighth seed. Last year, we would have also been in the playoffs uh, in Jaws rookie year if it wasn't for the, some bubble stuff. And so, like, we're a team that's ahead of schedule. Um, I'm really, really, really happy with how the season went. I was honestly expecting us to be a lot worse uh, just because I knew Jaron wasn't going to be around, and I just didn't know how much Jaw was going to do. Um, but thankfully, Jonas Valanciunas and, like, Kyle Anderson really, really stepped up. And, uh, yeah, I think this playoff let me really optimistic where we're at. So, um, as far as guys that I'm looking at 17, there's a lot of interesting wings in this class. Um, 
that I think I really, really, really want to get a chance at. Um, I thought we would have a chance at Moses Moody. Uh, that was until the combine. Cause there was like a, a Javoni article that had uh, in May that had him like fall into like 18. So 17, despite like draft winner being really, really in on Moody for the most part, there was a while where I thought the Grizzlies could nab him at 17, but that seems to have sailed. Um, now I'm looking at guys like Zaire Williams, um, Trey Murphy the third maybe, uh, Rocco Precaution. Like these are the guys that are pretty high up on my board that I think could fit a pretty decent hole. But yeah, that's yeah. For the 17th pick, I think we have a lot of good options. Yeah, there's there's a lot of names I really want to hit on. Um, and, and and the first one is is one you brought up, and that's uh, Zaire Williams. Uh, to me, if if I had this pick and he's on the board. Um, I'm rushing. I'm rushing to the front uh, to hand them the card because that, that's my selection. Um, I think the biggest hole the Grizzlies need to fill in the long term is a wing scorer. Um, they, you know, they took kind of a bet on Justice Winslow, and it's not really his fault that hasn't worked out, but it hasn't worked out. He, he's just injured. He's too injured, and and you can't bet on that when you're a team that's that's this close to contention this early and and sort of. I think John Moran is similar to Zion and that I think they both might be taking time bombs um, in terms of at some point, I feel like they're going to get hurt as horrible as that is to say, as much as I don't want that, I think there's certainly a possibility that the way they play their stardom can fade earlier. Just like we saw with a Blake Griffin or a Derek Rose, whether it be to direct injury or just how they play fades faster. Um, and I think Zaire is, is one of the best bets in this class to eventually be a, a wing star, um, a really, a really interesting scoring package, a really good shooter. Um, so buttermilk, what, what are your thoughts on Zaire? And, and do you like him here in Memphis? I love him. He's probably the guy that I think has a decent chance at being there that I would also run straight to the board for and not really care about what else. Cause I think you're hitting on the point that I'm, trying to get across is that we need a third star like really bad um just as far as this is like we're at a team building crossroad i think in the timeline uh we already have john morant as a very strong just floor raiser for a team um like i said he's led us to the playoffs basically twice in his two years in the league in like a very hard conference in the western conference um and so now what we're looking for is just the ceiling raisers jaron is partly part of that equation i think we go as far as jaron takes us to a certain extent but even more so to where our third star takes us that we may or may not have. Um, I, I think it's like our Markel Fultz or James Harden moment as far as our team building timeline goes. Uh, the way that Joel and B and Ben Simmons were on a team that ended up having the number one pick and ended up taking Markel Fultz. Not a bet that turned out very well, but I think was absolutely worth the, the shot at the time considering the fit with the two young stars and the fact that like, when's the next chance you're gonna get a star or a, a talent of this caliber uh, to join up with a team this young, like it, this is these are opportunities that very, very rarely come across, come around. Um, in the same way, <laughs> I'm not saying that the third guy we're going to get is James Harden or anything, but like in the same way that Durant and Westbrook were also just pretty established cornerstones. Um, that third guy is the difference between being a perennial playoff home court advantage team versus being like an actual contending perennial contender, right? And so I think, uh, yeah, this is the year for us to try try to take a swing on that. Um, I do not want us to play safe this time around. And I think there is a certain, uh, there, there's something to the point that uh, we underestimate how high the floor of high ups, high ceiling prospects are, especially when they're young, right? 
the reason they have high ceilings is because they have pretty radical uh, pathways of development, right? And just because they don't like maximize those pathways doesn't mean that if they even get halfway, 75% of the way on some of these, on some of these skill development that it doesn't all add up to a very, very good rotational player. Like even if you don't necessarily get a star, I think like uh, Isaiah Williams who doesn't, have, who doesn't have a super developed handle can still shot make and defend and pass well enough to be at least like a low, low level starter. So um, I love Isaiah Williams for those range of outcomes. The fact that he fits that star that label and just the fit i just really like the fit so yeah you and i are in absolute agreement there um and you mentioned you know taking some uh upside swings one could say <laughs> um and i think one of the best of those in this draft too i'd be shocked if it isn't here at 17 and you know i mentioned their uh proclivity for for sort of loving the same guys as draft twitter um and that's jt thor uh, JT Thor is someone I know Buttermilk is a fan of. I know Stone and I are both fans of. Um, so, Stone, I'm going to throw it to you first to sort of give us a breakdown on uh, what you think of JT Thor and his game. And then, Buttermilk, you can bring it home with with his with his bit here and, and what you think of him uh, as a long-term bet to maybe be that third star. Yeah, so um, I'll preface this by staying with anybody that we're going to mention. The, the Grizzlies are interesting just because they're so deep, right? They have like a minimum 12, like very high rotational players. Um, so in some scenario, like the, whoever you pick, um, if it be a Zaire or a JT Thor, that sort of player, I think immediately like the first season, um, maybe like halfway through the season, even it's going to take a while for them to get like consistent rotation minutes because there's so many other rotational guys that have kind of earned their place um, but that being said, JT Thor is, I, I've fully taken the plunge on him. I have him top 10 now uh, pretty comfortably. He's somebody that I think um, will be a bit of a project, like probably at least like two, two years, uh, maybe longer, three, um, for him to sort of return the value that you'd be taking him at, at 17. But um, he's well worth it to me, at least taking that sort of risk. Uh, with the risk reward factor because he's um, even if it is two or three years down the road he's still only going to be like 21 he's super young Um, he's like one of the top five youngest guys in this class I think Um, and the shooting ability um, is there he's somebody who I see him more of just like a big wing honestly like I don't really see him as a forward or a center like I see him like you can legitimately play him at the wing along with other wings and he'll be completely fine. Uh, one of the best lateral movers in this class. Um, somebody I think who can fit really well with a lot of different pieces that Memphis already has. Um, you could put him next to Jaron Jackson and, you know, they're both super long. Um, so I, I think having uh, JT Thor at 17 is good value because even if he doesn't pan out, um, the risk is so much higher or the reward is so much higher than guys that are go after him uh, that I think it's, it's worth taking that risk uh, at 17. Yeah. The Thor have has been having a wonderful month and a half. I've been in a good mood for a while now. Um, I, you guys wouldn't let me save this for the end of the podcast. So let's just get right to it. JT Thor at Grizzlies. I would honestly love it. I, it's a bit, um, Risky as far as the value proposition, maybe just considering where I, I don't know where the rest of the NBA has them, but I'd be kind of surprised if they had it this high. 
Um, but I also don't think they'd be wrong <laughs> for having him. I also have him top 10. Uh, I, I really like his fit here because one, I think we've proven that we can develop talent uh, pretty well with a lot of our guys. Um, like how Anthony Milton has jumped up this year. Uh, Dylan Brooks is another really good one. Like we put players in pretty good positions to succeed. And the thing that makes me really pos uh, positive about like the, or giddy about the idea of, uh, of Thor being on this team is that uh, we already have Jaron Jackson Jr. And like, yeah, JT Thor and Jaron Jackson Jr. are similar, but I think this isn't a bad thing in that a lot of the, the sets you run for Jaron Jackson, you can just use those for JT Thor when Jaron Jackson's on the court. Like he can very much provide a lot of the same things that make Jaron Jackson as valuable, valuable as he is with his defensive defensive presence um, and just his shooting. Um, like a front court with him and Xavier Tillman, I think is just a really good synergistic fit. Um, and just, yeah, I just like the fact that he can be stretched on the floor and he's tall and plays defense. And I don't know, like uh, uh, an outcome where he doesn't become a star might just make him giant Luke Nilo Mute. Like, like, I don't know. There's just interesting, interesting things. JT yeah, absolutely. And I love how you talk about the potential developmental context of the Grizzlies, because it's really ideal for any wing prospect who can maybe shoot. I mean, it, yes. that sounds almost silly, but it's true. It's like John Morant will get you the ball at the spots you want it. Jaren Zach Jr. is going to create space as like a 6'11 movement shooter. Um, all you have to do is shoot and play defense, and, and you, there's a spot for you early on. And then long-term, there's someone else who's going to have to handle the ball. You know, it's been Dylan Brooks. Dylan Brooks is someone who's I think is pretty clearly going to slowly use uh, – lose usage over time which you know is, is fair he's he's stepped up into this role admirably but I don't think his long-term role is as a secondary creator by any means but um, you don't think he's gonna average 25 points again in a playoff series I I love Dylan <laughs> Brooks so I refuse to talk too bad about him uh you went to Oregon and he was super fun to watch there um, he had a great playoff series he's been yeah, he's, no he did yeah, and yeah. he torched my jazz they could not handle him uh and if, if Dylan Brooks torched us, we should have saw uh, Paul George and Kawhi Leonard coming, but we didn't. Um, <laughs> but, you know, Dylan Brooks, I, I think, actually is probably a part of this team's long-term plans. He's under, he's on a really reasonable contract. He's a really good two-way player. I mean, those guys are just, they litter championship teams for a reason. It just, it's just how it goes. That's the sport. Um, but I think they're at a really good spot to develop whoever it is they take here. Um with minutes early and then also as their career continues uh changes in role and usage there's a lot that could happen there um but bouncing off that i just think uh there's there's a point to be made that our wing doesn't have to like uh contribute next season just because we have dylan brooks and the fact that we have a uh, grayson allen which is crazy to say because i did not expect grayson allen to be like the player that he showed to be in the playoffs but, like, Grayson Allen is good. I don't know if anybody else knew, but, yeah. Like, uh, he's a guy that I think is going to get a good amount of kids coming in next year as well. Like, I, I think there's – we have a good depth of talent that makes whatever our pick this year not necessarily, like, our – our rookie performance next season isn't, like, the make or break thing for them at all whatsoever, right? We have a timeline that gives us a certain level of uh, patience is, can be afforded. So, yeah. Just going off the Dylan Brooks and Grayson Allen thing. I think there's some underrated wing depth with the Grizzlies. That Yeah, and even deeper, like you have John Contra, who's proven to be like an NBA player. 
Like you, they're like, there's still guys that aren't aren't even getting consistent minutes that are still like viable NBA guys. So the the depth goes really deep. I mean, you have Desmond Bain too. There, there's so many guys in Memphis. Yeah, <laughs> which sort of leads me to a question. It's a little bit off topic, but is there a point where you think? making a trade to sort of consolidate the roster depth to bring in that third star instead of maybe uh, acquiring them through the draft is is a viable option to you. Um, is it something that happens draft night that includes the pick moving up in the draft or, or getting more established talent? Is that something that's viable to you? Uh, it's viable depending on who the target is, right? Um, I don't know who that name is. Like if it was, let's say Bradley Beal, I'm not sure if our our offer is going to be good enough. But if it was a guy like Tim at his age, I think I would obviously swing for it. Um, and obviously this is something that our, our front office is aware of and already thinking about with the Winslow trade, I think, with a consolidation trade, albeit not like a high-risk one with a bunch of valuable assets on our end, but still a risk on a young Justice Winslow and hoping he can maybe be the third guy, right? So I think this is something that our front office is thinking about. And I think it's something our front office is definitely exploring. So uh yeah totally think it's viable i just don't know who that name is and if that name isn't out there just take the best prospect available at 17 and maybe he'll be a trade ship right so later on so yeah i think that's fair and i love that you guys hit on the depth um i mean this team has is crazy deep with with real nba talent um and and i want to circle back so Lito, you had brought up some interesting names um and i'm just gonna like kind of reread them off and let either of you guys, whoever you want to hit on, uh, do it. These are names that come to mind as I think is potential picks here uh, for the Grizzlies. There's a lot of options. We don't know exactly who's going to be there, obviously, but it seems like these are guys who are maybe generally consensus lower on and like the mainstream, like, you know, someone like a Davion Mitchell will go over these guys, but knowing the three of us, we probably all value over players like that. So I'm just going to throw out a couple names that I think are really interesting options who, who I think are definitely in play. Uh, Roka Prakachin, uh, Jaden Springer, uh, Moses Moody, if he does fall, I, I think that's pretty unlikely at this point, but he could. Uh, Trey Murphy, the third Kessler Edwards, um, Usman Garuba and Corey Kisper are all names I think uh, could be here around that pick. And if there's anyone you want to hit on uh, for good or for bad, and, and just sort of what do you think of any particular guy and, and how they would fit here? Um, a name that pops up for me, a guy that I really like. Um, I think I have him top 10. If not, he's right outside of it. Um, Usman Garuba. I think Jaron Jackson provides a lot of leeway when it comes to the is in this class um there's a lot of really good ones that really really have me excited because this is an archetype that i genuinely just i'm usually higher on um and garuba is super interesting just because i think he's a guy that i buy the shooting a bit more than most people i think he can get to the point where he can get to pj tucker level of aptitude like um i don't see I don't really see why not. And I think he's a good kind of explore for that reason. Like, I think he's going to shoot from the corner, and I think he's going to defend his ass off. And I think that looks a lot like a slightly bigger P.J. Tucker for me, and I think the upside's higher. Um, and the shooting isn't even that giant of a swing skill with Garuba if he's playing alongside a front court partner like Jaron Jackson, who, like, spaces the floor so much that you can – you're allowed to have a guy that isn't the best shooting bet if you have four others around him, right? 
Um, a little bit of a messy thing with Jaw, just because Jaw isn't the best shooter either, and I'd rather him be the worst shooter on the court at any given time for our lineup. But I mean, the defensive potential between a Jaron Jackson and Garuba front court is pretty ridiculous. <laughs> like, yeah, it's, it's pretty insane to think about. And <clears throat> I just like the short roll passing along, like surrounded with other shooters. And I don't know, he's young, and he's just one of those guys I just have a feeling that his can provide early will just be a long-term NBA player. And, yeah, a guy I'm higher on in this particular context just because Jaron Jackson is such an awesome lineup versatility talent. So, Yeah, yeah. Garuba is someone who we mentioned, uh, Stone and I, like pre-podcast, it's just like Jaron Jackson Jr. and uh, Garuba front court is sort of the perfect sort of mesh for them to um for them to maximize each other my only rebounding thing Uh, sorry i didn't mention that but like yeah for for jaron jackson right people are always complaining about the rebounding which is valid um but it's not the hardest thing to help shore up especially by committee and this one grew but helps you a ton on that end so yeah and i also think someone we didn't hit on as as depth is brandon clark um brandon clark kind of got mitigated a bit towards the end of the season, but he's still someone I really believe in. And what Usman could bring is like a, you could always have someone similar uh, playing a role. And, and, and you mentioned rebounding by committee. If you need to play those two together, uh, you, you know, it's not great for the spacing, but they proved this year that they can win regular season games without great spacing. Um, and sometimes that's all it takes. And then you figure it out in the playoffs. Taylor Jenkins proved to me this year that he is willing to do uh, whatever it takes in, in, in big moments. I mean, barely playing Jaron Jackson Jr., you know, your future franchise cornerstone uh, was a really bold move by him, and it paid off. They ended up winning yep. that, uh, uh, that play-in game. And honestly, they looked really good as an eight seed against a, a far superior team talent-wise um, in the Jazz. They gave him some tough games. They even won one. And uh, so was, I'm not alone in thinking that was a competitive five game series, right? No, no, that was a, I, <laughs> as a jazz fan, that was a competitive five game series. And I think that um, I think a lot of that goes back to Taylor Jenkins. Um, so, yeah, I like Garuba a lot there. Uh, Stone, do you want to comment on Garuba or did you want to comment on any of the other guys that brought up? Yeah, I mean, um, I love Garuba there. Uh, it's probably like a 50-50 shot for right now, at least for me, that he actually falls that far. But if he were, I think it would be like a home run pick for them um, for all the men, for all the reasons you guys have already mentioned. Uh, the other name that you guys – or that you threw out there, Bryce, that I really like that I think would be too high draft night, just NBA teams probably aren't nearly as high on him as we are, uh, would be Kessler Edwards. Um, I think he fits really well with the Grizzlies, uh, again, as sort of a wing who can defend at a really high level, um, isn't going to create much, maybe as much as like a Zaire or something like that. But I think um, it, it still would be like, uh, fills a role really well um, for them as a three and D pretty much like three and D gets overutilized a lot, I think in terms of archetypes, but I think Kessler, like in this case really does fit that archetype as a three and D guy. Um, because he doesn't have a ton of ancillary skills outside of those. But what he does is at a really high level. Um, And I actually like his creation ability a little bit more than other shooters, um, as opposed to like a a Trey Murphy or a Corey Kispert, uh, other high-level shooters. I think Kessler has a little bit more upside tech and closeouts and things like that. Um, But at 17, again, I think it's, it's probably too high. 
he's probably going to be closer to 51 than he is 17 on draft night. So, um, but uh, at least on my board, this is exactly like right where I have him. Kessler Edwards is a very draft Twitter pick, so um, <laughs> not the craziest thing. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's probably a little too high for me, but I really like the pull-up shooting and I really like the defensive fit, so I see the vision for sure. And I think, too, it doesn't have to be at the 17th pick. I mean, they've proven that they have a good sense of where the value of a prospect is. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, think of, like I mentioned, Brandon Clark. They traded back for Brandon Clark, got their guy, and uh, I still think you... Brandon Clark will probably end up being a top 10 player from that draft class. Um, I haven't thought that much about it deeply, but uh, he's still a really good player with, with some really interesting tools. And, and they had the, they knew where his value was. They knew they wanted him and they made that trade to get him. I could see him moving back to, uh, you know, maybe a 25 or something like that. Uh, the Rockets have two picks. They wanted to move up, move back to 24 and get Kessler there where his value is probably a little more realistic, and that's certainly reasonable. Um, hey, one, we got Desmond Bain with a pick we bought into. So, I mean, yeah, the absolutely. idea that we buy into the second round wouldn't be the craziest thing, and Kessler Edwards at, like, 33 would be insane. So, um, yeah, that, would that be can't be value. discounted. So, yeah. yeah. And I imagine a lot of those seconds will be up for sale, too, between the Pelicans and the Thunder. Yeah. Because the they have sure. so many. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And, and also, you know, like I think Trey Murphy's value is is probably higher than Kessler's and he probably is a more reasonable pick here at 17. I like him there a lot. Um, the last name I really wanted to hit on, and I think I'm just guessing with how you've talked about it, uh, Lito, is, is I think this will probably tie into another question, but I brought up Corey Kispert. Um, you've talked about how you want him to swing for the fences here. Is a player like Corey Kisper or drafting an older player with less upside, do you think that's your nightmare scenario? And if not, what what is your nightmare scenario here with this pick? This is such a great question because there really is no nightmare scenario for us. <laughs> like, uh, I, I, I really don't see it. Um, but yes, you're right. <laughs> the nightmare scenario for me really would be if we just walked away with a Corey Kisper, a somehow Davion Mitchell, even though there seems like there's no way he's slipping out of the lottery at the moment. Or, uh, or a Chris Duarte. Like, all these guys are, yeah, rotational NBA players. Yeah, should contribute next season and should help. But aren't guys that I think are going to be starting on our championship team? I- I'm not sure about that. Um, Kispert maybe has the best option. Um, and just because of his fit with John Morant as a floor spacer, I mean, I-, I wouldn't hate the pick, but it would not be my favorite one. So um, – I wanted to hit on this one guy just because I think he's actually probably the most likely pick at 17. Um, and I would be remiss to not bring him up. And I think it's Jaden Springer just based off just where his like uh, stock is at right now. It feels likely like he's going to slip out of the lottery um, and draft Twitter loves him. If, if <laughs> no one knows. And he just feels like a very much a, a Memphis Grizzlies pick. Um, he's a fit that's very interesting next to John Morant, too. I think he could be like the kind of what the idea that uh, the Atlanta Hawks had bringing Chris Dunn next to Trey Young. Kind of a similar version of that early on, I think, but with more pull-up potential and hopefully becomes more of a second-grade grader, I think, is the hope with Jane Springer. But he's a guy that I find interesting. I, I don't love the pick maybe as much as Desire Williams, just because I would like a little bit more size. And I think Anthony Milton does a decent job of fitting a lot of the same things that make Springer appealing. Um, I think Milton's already a probably better defensive player than Springer will be. And just there's reasons to it, but um, I think it's a likely pick 
to me. I don't know how you guys feel about it, but yeah, Springer at 17, I'm calling it. Just, yeah. Yeah, I think that's somebody that makes a lot of sense for them. Like I said, there's so many guys on this roster, so you take him and then there's other guys that are already sort of filling that role with a Desmond Bain or a, um, I mean, Grayson Allen, like you mentioned earlier, then Melton. Like, there's so many of these two guards already there. Uh, but at the same time, Jaden Springer probably has the most upside out of any of those guys. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's it's worth the worth taking him there. Um, and I think that that is the hope is like I can see the vision where he is the secondary creator on that team. Um, and he, he plays well, nice to John Morant if you really buy into the shooting, uh, even though it was on like very minimal attempts this year. Um, I think that if he becomes that shooter and a really strong defender, like he's, he's a seamless fit next to jaw. So uh, I really like that pick. I think probably most of draft Twitter does too, um, which probably means that the Grizzlies are going to take him. Yeah. Uh, I think Springer's a really interesting pick here. Um, I like Springer. I, I, he's one of the players who I sort of have trouble ranking, um, but I do like Springer. I just, I don't love him here. I don't think he's what they need. Um, I, cause I, I think, you know, he'll play the two next to, next to jaw if, if things work out or, or a backup two with some ball handling duties, whatever that is a uh, long-term, I don't know like how good of a shooter he is. And I think if you could take someone like a Zaire Williams instead, who I think has a higher likelihood of being a, a, threat like 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 i think springer will be a good shooter uh off the catch but i don't know if he's going to be like a threatening shooter off the catch i think he's probably going to be more of a a pull-up artist in the mid-range as like his big uh shooting threat where i think zaire could really be a a momentum shifting shooter if things really you know work out for his development but at a certain point if, if it's best player available uh Jaden springer has a lot of paths to success super young uh, really built just everything about Jaden Springer screams like upside to me. And, and also, like you mentioned, like upside in such a young player often means a solid floor too, especially when you're built like Jaden Springer. I mean, like you said, DeAnthony Melton, like that's almost like a worst case, not worst case because DeAnthony Melton is such a good defensive player, but like that archetype is almost like a worst case for Jaden yeah. Springer. And if you're getting that at 17, uh, good pick like it's a great pick that's that's all you can ask for here so it, it, it's a good pick it's maybe it's not my favorite spot because i really want to see springer succeed at the most at the highest level and i don't know if the grizzlies are the spot for that but for the grizzlies i think that's a really good pick i think um, the other thing also to that could be brought up is if you buy into Jaden springer as a creator that helps a lot because we saw in like the playoffs and, and during their or the play in, I guess, and, and during their sort of uh, run to get there, like Jaw just has such a heavy load as a creator. Like he's he's dependent upon he's dependent upon a lot um, to create like the be the catalyst for their offense almost every time down the floor. Um, so if you buy Jaden Springer as a guy who can be able to take some of that pressure off of him, I think it makes uh, even a bit more sense there. Um, and we didn't get to see him in the playoffs this year, but I think, uh, and I know he's super young, but as maybe they went further into the playoffs, that might've shown up a bit where, uh, you might've seen jaw just get gassed for a game or two because he, he's so heavily relied upon as the catalyst every single time down the court. So, 
uh, if you had Jaden Springer to alleviate some of that, I think that makes a little bit of sense too. That's an awesome point. I I, I want to go back on that as far as just the usage and pressure that John has experienced. I think that's what this pick should be used for is alleviating that late shot clock pressure, um, giving him a shot maker that he can trust in, uh, preferably a two-way guy. But more than anything, just a guy that can create a shot and make it when pressure is super tight, when the defense is super on in the playoffs. And, uh, yeah, I'm looking at a team like the Atlanta Hawks. Like, you look at the wings they've surrounded Trey Young with. Um, Trey Young is a much better pull-up shooter, just a, a, a more versatile scorer than Trey, or I mean, John Morant at the moment. Um, and he, even he needs uh, Bogdanovich. He needs, like, DeAndre Hunter. He needs your Cam Reddishes. He needs Herder. wings. He needs creating wings. Herder, yes. Um, and that's what I'm looking for at the moment. I'm looking for our – big wing DeAndre Hunter our Cam Reddish our Kevin Herter I'm, I'm looking for that guy to put in between John and Jaron a guy that doesn't necessarily have to be the offensive guy because we already have jaw doesn't necessarily have to be a defensive monster because we already have Jaron and a solid defensive front court uh what we need from them is just a little bit more creation and a, 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 an ability to play alongside uh, Desmond Bain and uh, Dylan Brooks because I think those are guys that are going to be sticking around in Memphis for a bit and I think in order to maximize our offense's dynamism, because last year we were the sixth ranked defensive uh, team as far as defensive rating and 15th in offense. So it's the offense that really needs the extra push. I think the defense is really solidly built around Jaw, uh, hence why we can generate all these wins. Um, and so, yeah, generating enough offensive late shot clock uh, alleviation is super important to me at the moment so Zaya Williams for that reason is super intriguing because I think he gets his shot whenever he wants so uh, yeah so that sparked my brain a little bit and it made me think of of one last guy I'll hit on I'll, I'll try and not take too long but that <laughs> makes me think Trey Mann could maybe be an interesting pick here um, not like the ideal like two next to jaw because he measured it at the combine at only 6'3 not quite the 6'5 I think we had all hoped yeah. Um but he is such a good pull-up shooter, such a good space creator. I think he can run a good pick and roll. I mean, if if your goal with this pick is to alleviate that pressure off of a jaw and, and maybe you don't think Zaire is that guy or you think he's too far away, because um, I can understand thinking Zaire probably needs a couple of years to really be a contributor. Um, Trey Mann makes some sense there. Uh, the fit would be wonky, but I think you can figure that out. And once you figure that out, he's a, I, I, I still believe in Trey Mann. I have him top 10. Um, he's, I think he's a special pull-up talent, special uh, scoring potential. And that could be really interesting next to jaw. Cause it would also give your offense, like a lot of dynamism with someone who's, an elite driver and finisher as a pick and roll player. And then as your second side pick and roll player, or maybe your yeah. sixth man, you have an elite pull-up shooter. I mean, that's a pretty, it's not a roster construction we've really seen before, but it's a really interesting one. And I think if, if your goal is what's to make jaws life easier. So he doesn't have to have a 38% usage in the playoffs. Trey man could be an interesting pick there. And I'm, I, I'm pretty sure he'll be here um, around 17. Yeah, yeah. So uh with that with that being said uh we've talked about a lot of names if there's any more you guys want to hit on absolutely feel free um but i wanted to talk about the fact that they also have the 51st pick um you've mentioned that they buy into the second round uh or or, or even maybe trading up or back 
Lito, are there any trades that make sense for you with this team, uh, whether it be for another player or um, for another pick? And if not, then like who are some interesting second round guys you think should be bets the Grizzlies are making here? Uh, as far as trades, it's not really something I've given too much thought about just because I'm not sure we – I just think there's some good packages out there at the moment um, for these bigger names that I don't really think we're that much of a contender really for some of these unless we're bringing Dylan Brooks, the 17th pick, uh, Brandon Clark. Like, we can put a decent package, but I'm not sure if it's beating out your New Orleans Pelicans or your Oklahoma City Thunder or just – yeah. Um, so the 51st pick uh, – um, I like the wings and combos in the second round or that are projected to be in the second round in this draft. So I'd be looking at guys like Sam Hauser, um, Joe Wieskamp, maybe. Isaiah Livers, I think, would be really good. Uh, Aaron Henry is interesting. As far as consolidating talent and just having enough roster spots, I think a draft and stash might not be the worst idea, um, especially a high upside one. Juhan Begarin, I don't know if you guys have any strong opinions about him, but he's a guy that I think is probably worth a top 50 draft to stash. I think he's one of the rare guys that I'm like, yeah, he's a decent upside bet and should be worth high draft capital. So, um, or a combo guard that I feel like can fit next to jaw at the one or two, right. Um, a guy like I'm thinking about Joel Ayayi, Quentin Grimes has probably outplayed this position for the 51st pick, but a guy like David Johnson or maybe even Dacian Nix, even though he's more of an on-ball guy, but just as far as just bets, um, you guys are all got have decent size and just, I like their value at 51. So, yeah. Yeah. There's definitely some interesting names there. I, you brought up stashes and you're going to get me going if you're not careful. <laughs> I love, love. There's two that stand out. Yeah. Yep. I think we're, I think Stone and I are on the same page. Mario. Uh, <laughs> yeah, that's that's the one I was going to hit on, and then I'll let him pick the other one. Uh, I wanted to hit on Mario Nakic because I think he's sort of that, like, second round version of what you were talking about um he's he's sort of like what if Zaire wasn't like super long lanky and athletic it's kind of like maybe maybe that's Mario Nakic he's a really good shooting prospect with with a lot of good indicators a good form um and he he looks like he can probably run a solid pick and roll um he plays really funky he he like does a lot of uh he like dribbles really funny he's very violent with his moves um he you know but he gets it done he he makes smart passes just sort of as a secondary creator uh maybe off the bench or just as a bet to be that in the long term i think he makes a lot of sense um you know you mentioned hauser and east camp is like those are guys who are almost purely off ball players who who have to create their gravity purely off the ball and i think uh knockage is more of a bet to to maybe be able to handle some on ball responsibility and uh create that way um stone do you want to take the other obvious stash guy you like yeah um i mean yoko Betis, and we all know where that was going um <laughs> i think he he is that combo guard like you're talking about i have yoko Betis top 30 which is probably way higher than i should um but he is a guy who he's so crafty right and he takes a lot of that playmaking off of draw like we were talking about he's a guy who um, I'll mention it every time I talk about him. He's just like probably the best passer off of movement in this class in terms of finding guys in their shooting pockets and knowing exactly where guys want to catch the ball and everything like that. He, he's just so smart that way. Um, obviously, defensively, there's questions, but when you play him alongside somebody like a D'Anthony Melton, that yeah. takes a lot of pressure off of him. 
or, or even a Dylan Brooks for that matter. So uh, I really like Yoko Betis um, long-term and I think that would be a good fit. And the other guy I do want to bring up uh, really quickly who before the combine, I think might've had a chance to go at 17 would be Jay. Um, he, I think he fits really well for a lot of the same reasons I made the case for Jaden Springer. Um, and I think, you know, hopefully he's pushing up for him. And I actually saw he like worked out for, gives me a little room for optimism there. Fit well uh, with the Memphis Grizzlies and uh, alongside John Moran. Uh, so that's the only other guy I would shout out, although it's unlikely he's taken at 17. Um, and then because I am me, I have to bring up Jeremiah Robinson Earl at 51. <laughs> uh, the Grizzlies seem like they're a smart team uh, and they should take a smart player. So Jeremiah Robinson on the Grizzlies, uh, let's make it happen. Because it honestly seems like the type. I give you that. Yeah. It seems like a Grizzlies type for sure. Yeah. So he's sort of an interesting, like, like Brandon Clark sans athleticism i don't love to make comps at all but like sort of just like really smart can kind of play in the high post um and, and just a really interesting fit next to um because i think if you want to make jared jackson jr five thinking that's like his best long-term position you should probably take some bets at who that four is going to be uh, exactly. so i think that makes some sense there um the comp i came up with like rich williams but like better at everything and a little bigger and so that's, <laughs> that's my reasoning as to why I have him top 20, because I think that's a really valuable player. I love Kendrick Williams in his draft, so, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's fun. So I just want to hit on two names really quickly here that I think makes some sense. Uh, Austin Reeves isn't necessarily projected to fall this far, um, but he's just another bet at uh, second side creator. He, he projects, I would say, at like most of his outcomes as a bench player uh, but he could be a really interesting one if that shot is real um and then he gets brought up i swear to god every podcast but eve ponds um <laughs> let's go <laughs> just makes he just makes so much sense everywhere i like i like had to move up my board despite my like not like seeing anything else in tape but just doing this series i've realized we've brought him up for every team and if you make sense on every single team you probably deserve to be a little higher on my board so just <laughs> he's another interesting guy he's i think jeremiah robinson earl is sort of the ideal like four next to uh jared jackson jr i think eve ponds is like a five you could play next to triple j like yeah. he he's just so big he's six six but he is so big like he might as well be six eleven he it, makes it dk matter. metcalf look small yeah like, no like <laughs> that dude crazy. is it's it's not just even like and he plays that way too right like yeah. like he he plays strong he's always in it and he has really good timing on his blocks like he's he might be the his best shot blocking to, highlight reel is yeah. low-key one of the craziest things you'll see first he might be day. the like, best <laughs> he might be the best six, six shot blocker I've ever scouted in my life. So I, I yeah, mean, yeah, no, yeah, for sure. He's, yeah, up there. He, he's got elite athleticism and he maximizes Max. it. So like, if you can functional use your athleticism that he has at the functionality that he uses it, like that's a really good player, I think. So I'm, I'm all in on, on Eve Pond. Yeah. The more we talk about this, the more I'm like, this guy's a broke boy <laughs> Garuba. Like I'm, I'm in, like, let's do it. <laughs> 
the the final guy i think you touched him touched on him already um and he would be somewhere in between 17 and 51 so not really either of those ranges um but chris duarte i think is old he doesn't really match their timeline at all but he matches the sort of player role we've been talking about where he can defend and shoot right and create for himself a bit so i think that it that's sort of the player they're looking for but again i'm not really sure with his age that's really a player they would be targeting per se yeah you bring up duarte it makes you bring up one more name or the, we're gonna do this thing until we're 10 hours in but Go for uh, it. josh christopher josh christopher at 17 i think is a guy he is like my late riser for this year honestly the more i think about it the more scared i am of having him near the 30s and not closer to the lottery and so i'm at the point where i think he's in my top 20 now and just given off that i think at 17 it's really not that bad of a value um another guy next to him dang it uh bj boston as well just a self-creator shooting dribble pass wing at six seven with good size um a guy that i thought we had zero chance at preseason um now seems very realistic at maybe even 51 i'd be crazy as hell to see him there but uh but with the way people be talking about bj boston like he can be he has a really wide range so um those are two names that i would like to at least explore maybe not the best pick at 17 especially with other names there but um i wouldn't be that mad so and and uh shout out to Vrenz blindberg because we know the Memphis Grizzlies are somehow intertwined with draft Twitter and so is Vrenz. So that would not shock me if they, if they take <laughs> Vrenz's pick. I'm convinced Stone just secretly works uh, for the Grizzlies and is just like <laughs> beating him. If- I wish, man. <laughs> Zach, it's actually Zach me. Took that. Yeah, it's yeah. actually <laughs> it's, uh But yeah, I mean, Vrenz would be really interesting there. Um you know, you brought up BJ Boston, and I don't like him at 17 really at all. He's yeah, he's sort of dropped on my board quite a bit, but there is no better developmental context for him than Memphis. Um, if you really buy that high school tape, and, and there's a lot to like there. Um, I mean, it is if there was like one team I could say, what team like if any team in the league could pick BJ Boston, he somehow becomes an all-star, I would pick the Grizzlies. Like without a shadow of a doubt it's he has the perfect oh creator to play next to him he not that if he gets drafted by the grizzlies i would predict him to be an all-star but like which team gives him the highest likelihood of that it, it's got to be yeah. and, and that's you know and, and i think that's probably even the same with josh christopher i'm with you where he's risen up my board i haven't quite decided exactly where i want to put him but I definitely want him in the upper 20s to teens rather than closer to 30 mid. You know, that's sort of where I'm coming at with it. But I just. This BJ Boston talk, I'm sorry for interrupting, but brought oh, up a good. terrible memory. Um, we had a real shot again in Kevin Porter Jr. I, I felt like the, 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 what they, what Houston traded for for Kevin Porter Jr., the Grizzlies could have easily beaten, right? And it's one of those that I'm just like, wow, imagine. Like, forget Boston. Imagine KPJ and John Morant in the same backcourt. And just, yeah. Oh, my. Just, yeah. Let's pour one out for that one. Yeah, that would have been – that would have absolutely been a dream come true. Um, <laughs> I got asked a question today. It's like, who's the better top three? Uh, this year's top three of, of Cade, Evan Mobley, and, um, and uh, Jalen Green versus, like, uh, Zion, Jaw, and R.J. Barrett. And I was like, well, I didn't really have – 
RJ third. I had Kevin Porter Jr. <laughs> third. So I'll take that, makes that the question more interesting yeah, too. I'll take that top three over this yeah. one. Yeah. So you know, but like, yeah, that would have been incredible. Um, and and there's bets like that. You know, I think one day we haven't talked about him all this podcast because we didn't think he would declare and he's kept his name in and, and i'm sort of upset because last year he was a first rounder for me um i really thought this was a guy who who should be talked about in the mainstream consensus um and he had a rough season he tore his acl uh, and that's chris smith um chris smith is a really good athlete six nine wing with with a really projectable jumper makes smart passes uh played a lot with the ball in his hands didn't always look great at it but but he had the ball a lot um and, and it's just, he, he's sort of like not even in the mainstream consciousness at all. It's like, he doesn't exist. Yeah. Um, and that's too bad because I think he's a really good prospect. And whether that be at 51 that you take him or anywhere, you know, if you get him undrafted, uh, I think he's someone who would be really well suited for the Grizzlies. Um, and we can keep going all day. I mean, EJ Onu would be a fun name to talk about here. Uh, Billy and Champagne or Marcus yeah. Bagley or Terrence Shannon Jr. Oh, yeah. oh my, yeah. my first round loves, man. God. Oh, goodness. Yeah. I mean, even like with that 51st pick, like if they want to take a bet on like Aaron Wiggins or like DJ Stewart, like that would be interesting. Like just take some wings, like because I feel like they have a lot of two guards and not a lot of threes. And yes, like we need more threes than fours. Yeah. Or just yeah. Specifically threes, though. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yeah. You know, fours too, like, like, Guys with that sort of, they have a lot of guys with sort of the two, three positional versatility. They need some more guys with the three, four positional versatility. You know, like someone you brought up way earlier was Rocco uh, and he's interesting. We we don't need to talk about him. I have like a, Chuck and I spent like an hour and 15 minutes talking about him last night and that's supposed to come out. Oh, I hate you. I hate you because I was listening on my morning commute this morning about your, uh, your pod yesterday. And you made a comparison that I was going to debut, and <laughs> I knew it was coming as soon as you said it. Um, the Detroit Blake Griffin thing, I see it too, man. With Rocco, I see that exact same vision. So I'm just sh- want to say, it. yeah. <laughs> yeah, I'm shocked that I was the only person to think of it. I honestly didn't even think like I had come up with it. I assumed I had probably read it somewhere and just forgot. He brought it up in his piece. Like, oh, it's okay. a small snippet, yeah. but yes yeah we're, we're none of us are original, of course right? yeah none of us are original we're <laughs> yeah. every everyone just copies off pd um, yeah apparently. <laughs> hard to blame us um <laughs> with that being said uh is there anything else you guys want to hit on with the grizzlies i mean we could talk all day this is one of my favorite teams um not even as a fan just as a uh, how can i not love to watch jaw morant play um yeah. so is there anything else you guys want to hit on here Benedict Matherin should have stayed in the draft. He would have oh. been my number 17. He oh. would have been my guy. He would have fit Absolutely. all these things perfectly. Yeah, uh, was, yeah, that's all I have to say. <laughs> I was thinking about where I would have Matherin if he had stayed in. Top um, 10. Top he, 10, yeah. Easy for me. No, this is going to sound crazy. Over Thor. Me. I'd have him over Thor. I would consider I yes. would consider top five. Like, I'm dead serious. I really would, too. No, seriously. Like, I would put him maybe over what, Moody. Like, good for you. Our, our, our boy, Kai... You're gonna do it. <laughs> so, not, not Kai. I have Kai four. I have Kai right now. My board is um like tier three star potential, which is where I had like the top of last year's draft is Jalen Green, Kai Jones, Rocka Percotchin, and Jonathan Kaminga. I would probably have Matherin somewhere in there. And, and honestly, like I consider dropping Kaminga every day, and I don't know what to do. <laughs> Um, you should, you should. not, not just, dropping just, him yeah, down my board it. in terms of numbers, just dropping him down that tier. 
Uh, we'll see how that goes uh, as I put out my final big board here shortly. But this has been great. Uh, Buttermilk Jesus, not only the best name, but one of the best guys. Uh, just constant interaction on draft Twitter. He's 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 a vet. He knows what he's doing. Um, excellent takes and, and just a great guy. So Buttermilk, tell the people where they can find you, all your stuff. Just let them know. Plug yourself until you're blue in the face. <laughs> I don't have that much to plug. Uh, like I said, I made my podcast did be yesterday on uh, what's on, I mean, locked on NBA draft uh, with Rich. So if you want to check that out, check it out. Um, yeah. yeah, I know. <laughs> like you're starting big. Like we're a step down from. from yeah. <laughs> <Stop one>. <laughs> <laughs> um, I have a halftime show coming up with Chuck. I don't know when it's coming out, but it's coming out tomorrow. It's today, I guess. Uh, Thursday night. Um, so there's that. Um, I was hoping to come out with some videos. I don't know if they're gonna come out. My laptop is broken, but if I do eventually get my laptop, I may have some videos coming out with a big board and some fun stuff. Who knows? Um, just follow me at Twitter for all that. At that at Cozy Lito. That's C O Z Y L I T O. Um, so yeah, better know Jesus. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this has been great. Stone, let the people know where they can find you and what they gotta do. Yeah, uh, you can just follow me and all my draft work at report underscore court. Um, and then if you want to follow the podcast at Upside Swings. Um, and then if you want to rate and review us, it helps us out a lot and uh, helps us grow our audience. Yeah, uh, please do that. This is uh, this series has been really, uh, really special. This has been one of the best experiences I've I've had in the basketball world. Um, and that even goes back to like, as a player, anything like this is just, you know, talk to everyone. It's so special. And the support has really meant a lot. Um, I'm at Bryce Hendrick 14 on Twitter. You can find all my stuff there, uh, writing for roll call. Some, some pieces have come out and will continue to come out. Just a lot of exciting stuff right now. It's a uh, busiest time of year, man. And, and, and this, the, the is real at some point stone, I think he already tweeted it, but he could be probably used to tweet again. Like his schedule is nuts. And uh, so, so we're, we're putting the work in, but uh, this has been great. We want to thank Lito again, buttermilk Jesus at cozy Lito best follow on Twitter. Absolutely worth it. Um, it. (laughs) Thousand followers stone always with it. Uh, We want to thank everyone here for listening. Uh, You guys make this worth it. Um, This has been the upside swings draft podcast. We hope we hit our ceiling. Thank you. We'll be right back.